Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. I would like to look at the last verse of 2 Peter chapter 3. So, preacher, you're going to teach a whole Bible study on one verse? We're going to stress the last verse of 2 Peter chapter 3. So yes, that's what we're going to do. Probably don't have enough time to do everything, so we're going to look. So if you look at verse 18, the last verse of 2 Peter. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. So this man goes to the doctor because he's overweight. So he's going there to, you know, be evaluated. And the doctor says, okay, we've got a diet plan set up for you. I want you to eat regularly for two days. Then skip a day. Then repeat the procedure. Do this for two weeks and come back and see me. The next time I see you, the doctor said, you will have lost up to five pounds. And the man says, okay. He said, but you've got to do exactly what I said. So he said, okay, I'll do it. The man returns about two two weeks later and he gets weighed and he has lost nearly 25 pounds in two weeks. The doctor said, that is amazing. Did you follow my instructions? And the man said, I did exactly what you said. And to tell you, the man said, to be honest, I thought I was going to drop dead every third day. And the doctor said, you mean from hunger? He said, no, from skipping. (laughs) Sorry. So... 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. We look at three things. We want to stress three things in this last verse that Peter writes. And really, it is the last written word or written words of Peter that we get to experience. I remember reading the last words that are recorded from Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. And it was at the marriage of Cana in Galilee. And she was talking to some of the servants. And she said, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And those are the last words that we read that she spoke. But you know what? Wow. What some last words. Whatever Jesus says, do it. And you know, I'm thankful that we also... Uh, have an opportunity to leave last words. So think about it. If you were going to leave some last words with someone, you knew that you were going to be leaving this earth shortly, what would you tell? What would you say? Or would you write? Probably something like, well, you'd tell someone you love them, or maybe you'd forgive someone. Regardless of what you would say, if it was your last words, you would probably say or write something that's important to you 
or that would be important to others. So as Peter is writing his last words that we see or that were recorded, these aren't the last things he said, but it's the last things that we get to experience. It would stress us to look at them as they are important for us. The first thing he says, but grow. He talks about all the stress and all the fighting and all the opposition that you're going to face. Whether you play on a football team, uh, work in a, in a company, uh, are a parent, you're going to face opposition. And someone has said and shared that someone's going to talk about you whether you serve God or not. You might as well serve God. And so Peter said, as all of these things that are that are people are facing and all of the uh, opposition that you're going to experience, he said, but grow. And I believe that. So growing up, when I grew up, we had this this poster that measured your height. And it was from this store we used to have called Toys R Us. I think they're bringing it back. Okay. But it was a big toy store, and Jeffrey the giraffe was the mascot for Toys R Us. So there was a giraffe, and it, was a, it had a bunch of measurements to measure your height. And so growing, my mom, or I, probably my mom, would measure the kids, my brother, my sister, and myself. And so as you looked at it, and we had it for years, you would start to see the name and the date and the growth as you got larger and larger and you could trace it and you could look at the name oh that's how tall they were here and that's how tall they were here and if you looked at that you would be able to see look growth is natural isn't it if if we just naturally do the things if we eat and sleep we'll grow well spiritually spiritual growth is natural. Some people say it's not, but now listen. Spiritual growth is natural in a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. God wants us to grow. So as we look at Christians and we look at, as a pastor, I, I've known some people for, for different years and uh, I've, seen, I've seen growth uh, in, in people's lives as they have a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's what God wants us to do. And Peter exhorted people to grow, his last words. So, stressing growth. You know, it's interesting. We need to grow in the right direction, right? Not like to grow the national debt. They always talk about, it's so big, no one even pays attention. What is it, like a trillion dollars? I mean, it's just a number that's so big, you don't even know what that means, right? Is that a thousand billion dollars? It's just, it's enormous. But it's not a bonus. It's in the whole a trillion dollars. So we need to grow in the right direction, which is up, right? And then we need to grow in the right things. Cancer, do you know what the word cancer means? Growth. But those things are growing in the wrong places. That's what they call it a tumor, right? It's a growth. Well, we don't want to grow in the wrong direction, and we don't want to grow in the wrong things. But the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up, there's the direction, into him in all things. So as you serve God, you're going to grow. And whatever God has to do in our lives, you know, the first things kind of he'll do is he'll take us just however we are and we come to Jesus Christ. God, here I am. And God will say, okay, I got you. But then he'll break us. Just like he took that bread 
and he'll break it, but then he'll do something else. He'll make us. He'll bless us. And that's what God will do as we grow. And it seems like it's a perpetual, he'll break us and make us and break us and make us. In nature, do you know that with plants, what they do, they prune the plants. All these little branches that come out, they actually cut off these branches because they suck up the nutrients and they don't bear fruit. So they will prune. I'm not much of a person with horticulture, right? But they'll prune the little branches so that you'll bear more fruit uh, and your fruit will be stronger on the good branches. There's a verse of scripture in Galatians about the fruit of the spirit. Do you know how it goes though? Have you ever read it? And it doesn't seem like it makes sense, right? Is it the fruit of the spirit are? Something sounds off, right? The fruit of the spirit are love? No, it's not the way that it goes. It's the fruit of the spirit is. What do you mean? But there's nine things. But it's one fruit. Say, so, preacher, I got this fruit, but not that fruit. No, the fruit of the spirit is all of them. It's one fruit. My wife was telling me about this one fruit that they have in Italy. It's one fruit with nine flavors. You bite into it and it tastes like this. And then you bite into it and it tastes like this. But the fruit of the Spirit as we grow and the Spirit of God comes out in our lives, there's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and this dirty word called temperance, it means self-control. But all of those are one fruit. And, and why? Because it's the Spirit of God that is growing inside of us and exhibiting these things in our lives. So when God begins to work in our life and we begin to grow, when you get saved and give your life to Jesus Christ, a growth process starts. And you've invited Christ into your life. He takes you at your word. Jesus, come in. Now, I didn't know what happened when I got saved. I didn't know it was so real. I just thought, oh, I repented of my sins. But the Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you. So when you get saved, he begins to work, right? Who? God. So many times we think that we get saved and we have to do all this stuff. Let me tell you, God's doing a work behind the scenes. He's doing a work when you sleep. He's doing a work when you're awake. He's doing a work when you eat your Wheaties or your Frosted Flakes. Whatever you're eating, God is working. It says, he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it. That means he'll keep working on you until the day of Jesus Christ. And God's not one that's easy to give up. Have you ever gotten frustrated and say, I quit, I can't do this. Well, God's not going to be like that. God's going to continue to work on you. And a lot of times you might try to throw in the towel and God will throw it back at your face. That's what they do in boxing, right? The coach will throw the towel in. God will pick the towel up and throw it right back in your face. And you know, sometimes we need that. We need to get a little bit fired up. Why? Because God has just begun to work in us. But he's going to continue working on us. You see, as that growth, uh, the Bible says that we grow in, and what do we grow? The Bible says that we grow, I'm going back, I'm going back. We grow in grace. We grow in grace. So when we not only stress that we need to grow, but grace is like this soil, the environment that we grow in. There is, a, there is a quote from a preacher 
from the 1800s named D.L. Moody. He was quite a famous preacher in Chicago. He said, grace isn't a little prayer you chant before receiving a meal. It's a way to live. The law tells me how crooked I am. Grace comes along and straightens me out. You know, that's exactly what grace does. Grace is the goodness and the kindness of God. And grace, I really had a hard time understanding grace, but I'm going to stress grace for a little while. Grace gives us freedom. Now, some might say, and when I was a young Christian, I thought that people would talk about grace because they wanted to justify living in sin. Oh, God's grace. Where sin doth abound, the grace of God doth much more abound. And I was like, okay. And I didn't embrace the power of grace. Grace is not a freedom to live in sin. We were in sin without God. We didn't need the grace of God to help us, okay? We were, I was a sinner without the grace of God. I did fine by myself, okay? That's not what grace is. That's not what biblical grace is. But let, I want to read you a few verses from the book of Romans to tell you about the freedom that grace brings. This is what the grace, the biblical kindness and grace of God gives us. For sin, Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion, which means control over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. See, the kindness of God gives us freedom. Well, I want to explain this, but I think if you can have this click in your mind, it's incredible. So it says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? You know, now we don't have the law of Moses judging us, but we have the kindness of God so it's a rhetorical question, right? That's what, shall we sin? Man, there's no more Ten Commandments. We're being ju judged on God's kindness by the blood of Jesus, by the cross. Shall we just go out and sin? The next two words, God forbid. Are you kidding? You missed the boat, Paul said. He said, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are, to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked, the apostle said, that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Now the freedom that I want to talk about, the freedom of grace, the biblical freedom of grace. And that's, we want to stress this. Being, verse 18, then made free from sin. The biblical freedom that God talks about is not the freedom to sin. And there's a lot of people that say, we sin, everybody sins every day. <laughs> no, they don't. Because Jesus is made separate from sinners. If we sin every day, we are a sinner right we're not a saint we're not saved what am i saved from i'm saved from hell but what sends you to hell sin sin sends church members to hell sin sends preachers to hell but salvation is freedom from sin now if we sin the bible said we have an advocate with jesus christ the righteous we have a lawyer 
But the grace of God is by no means freedom to sin. The grace of God is freedom from having to sin. See, when, before I was a sinner, before I was a Christian, before I was a sinner, before I was a Christian, you would try to stop and then you would just do it again and say you're sorry or whatever. But there was no real effort that I even made to stop anyway because I figured you just justified and did what you, whatever you wanted. But when you became a Christian, you realized, wait a second, not only do I know right and wrong, but now I have the power to stop sinning. And I'm not saying that it's easy. Sometimes you have to fight temptation. And the only time we have to fight temptation is honestly if we want it. If we don't want something, there's no temptation. There's no temptation for me to eat tripa. What's that? It's stomach lining, right? It's, it's really not something that like haunts me, okay? Everyone's got things that they're tempted by, but that's because we want it. But that grace of God will give us the power to say, well, I feel that pull, but Jesus doesn't want me to do that anymore. And I'm going to say by the grace of God, no thanks, because I have freedom and let me tell you, freedom is good. You see, sin will tell you how fun it is, but then you won't be able to sleep at night. And you know, there's people that live like that. Rock stars, they have what? They have uppers to get up, some type of amphetamine, and then they have to have drugs to sleep at night. And then uppers to get up and drugs. And it's just like, because there's, their conscience is incredibly corrupted by the, the way that they're living. How do you know? That was me. And I, I, I understand that, that uh, one man shared this. He said, a clean conscience is like a soft pillow. If your conscience is clean, <sighs> if you want an exercise program, Paul has one. He said, I exercise myself to be void of offense, to have a conscience that doesn't have offense to anybody toward God and toward men. He said, I just don't want to live offending anybody. And you know, the Bible says that bodily exercise profiteth but preacher I, you know well look you can be an exercise who's that guru the Richard Simmons okay he was this guru back in the or he was a guru he, not my kind of guy but he was a guru and he was an exercise phenom in what the 70s he's kind of retired I think he had some knee problems I'm not knocking the guy but when you get old let me tell you you can work out all you want um you know, the, the Terminator, he's going to be the applesauce-inator. You know, I mean, you're, you're not going to be bad all the rest of your life. Because bodily exercise, the Bible says, this outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. But the apostles said that bodily exercise, it profits a little. It's good. You know, you should do it. But godliness is profitable. In all things, having the promise that now is and that is to come. You see, the godliness is exer exercising us and getting us ready for the life to come. And so uh, getting back to grace. So verse 19, let's see, let me just skip down a little bit. Verse 22. So this is Romans chapter 6. And I want you to know this because the next time the devil tells you, you say, well, I have friends that go to this other church and they say it's okay to sin. Well, you know what? God can forgive sin, but living in it is not going to make you happy. It's not going to give you the joy of Jesus Christ. It's going to cut the fellowship off until you renew that relationship. The Bible says, but being in verse 22, now made free from sin. That's the freedom of grace. 
and become servants of God. Servants to God, excuse me. You have your fruit. There's the fruit of God, right? Unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you get one thing tonight on stressing grace, grace is not freedom to sin. Grace is freedom from sin. And the next time you're tempted to say, I need the grace of God. And brethren, we all do. I do. I'm sure my wife would say she does. You get tempted and you feel like you know, you're felt drawn to do something wrong. But you know what? Just by the grace of God. God, give me your grace. And you know what? I don't care where you are. It's not wrong to pray. You don't have to raise your voice up in the middle of the grocery store and say, God! You don't have to do that, okay? But you can pray. And you know what? I'll do that. I'm one of those guys. I'll pray in my car. When I'm out running, I'll lift up my hands, even if there's other people around. I'll lift up my hands. I'm listening to some gospel music in my ear, and I'll just worship God. Why? I'm I'm here to worship God. I'm not here for other people to see it or not. But if I have a need or I want to express something, guess what? Just going to do it, right? Because I don't care. I'm over 40. I'm not here to impress anybody. My hair fell out, or most of it did. But I do want to worship Jesus Christ. The Bible says, stress, grace. And, and really on a growth program, what's the first thing that you do in stressing grace? The first thing is you got to read. The Bible says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That's how we grow in grace. And then secondly, and this is something that I would stress to you in the holidays, okay? Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. After you read God's word, rejoice in God's promises. The Bible said rejoice in the Lord always. What do you do after you rejoice? Repeat. So read, rejoice, repeat. Because the Bible said rejoice in the Lord always. And again, what does he say? I say rejoice. So preacher, why would you rejoice? You know why Christians rejoice? Because when you rejoice... You are actually by faith receiving the promise of God. The Bible said in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. How are you rejoicing? Because I'm receiving it. Have you ever received a promise from God? Say, well, God, I received that, that bonus, or I received my pay raise, or I received something. When you come to the altar and pray in a church service, receive the gift of God. Say, God, you're a gift giver, and I'm here to receive my gift. I'm here to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of salvation. Healing is talked about as just being children's bread. It's like something that God can just dish out. Healing is the children. God, I need something. Well, you need healing? It's just like here. Have a piece of bread. Now, if my daughter gets a piece of bread at home, that's not an extravagant meal, okay? Just, it's just regular things for God to hand out. But the Bible said their promises are exceeding great and they're precious. They're not just something that anybody can give us. So when we're rejoicing, uh, when the devil's lying to you and everything's going crazy at work and everything's going crazy at home, it's counterintuitive, right? But just begin to rejoice. Why? Because God... In all of this, you're still true. Your promises are still true. Your blessings are still on the way. And I believe that I can finish my course 
with joy, just like the Apostle Paul. And I can do it by growing and learning to rejoice and stressing rejoicing when everybody else is stressing, stressing. The last thing, so you read, desire the sincere milk of the word to grow, rejoice, and then repeat, and then the last thing is reach. But, but when you're happy, you'll begin to reach out to others and tell them about Jesus Christ, because you'll see, man, it's possible to go from death to life. If I can do it, someone else can. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, and chapter 1, verse 3, uh, chapter 3 and verse 15, excuse me. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You know, it's interesting. When I was new as a preacher, people would come up to me and say, what's the word, preacher? And I didn't know if that was a Southern thing. Did they ever say that to you? What's the word, preacher? Down in Orlando. And so I should have had a word ready for him. I, I, God's good. I mean, I, I shared something with them, but uh, I remember another time they would say, God's good. And I would look at him and say, yes, he is. And they said, no, 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 no. You're supposed to say all the time. What I realized was I wasn't ready in the way that I should have been to answer these people but I learned. So you know what? In the morning before you walk out the door, if you just have a time to read one scripture and get it in your heart. If someone says, hey man, well, how do you know? Well, let me just share the scripture that I read. And it's that I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Man, that's real. That's in, that's, that's in the Bible. Not everybody reads the Bible. And you know what? Not everybody knows the promises of God. And uh, I was just talking to Reverend Love. He wants to come preach a revival here and I was like uh, he's setting up a date with me in early next year and I'm like yes let me check I wanted to check and make sure the Pattersons are going to be here and it's going to so uh, yes but he was talking about going soul winning with this other pastor and they invited this lady to church and she goes oh that church she said yes I received the, the text messages the pastor of that church and this was just a lady they met on the street she receives the text messages that come out. I guess they text scriptures or something like that. And she came to church. And much later, I guess, she was still going to church. But you know, people need an encouragement out there. But it was because of that scripture planted a seed. And it might be someone at work. There's people that I'm working on. Some people, it's taken me maybe a year or so to convince them and, and water that seed and water that love and water that scripture before they ever come through the church door. But you know what? God's in it for the long game. And that's the greatest part of your growth is to win someone to Jesus Christ. The last thing, I'm almost out of time, is stressing God. He said, grow in the grace and the knowledge of what? Our Lord and geometry and physics and Bitcoin. No, it said... Our Lord and Savior. If you want to invest in Bitcoin, I can tell you how to make $10,000 into $1,000. It can happen like overnight, right? But the grace said, and the knowledge of what? Our Lord and Savior. How do you begin a relationship with Jesus? It says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. We invite him as Lord to begin a relationship. And then... It begins a walk. One preacher said to know him is to love him. 
To love him is to serve him, and then continued to serve him is an honor. And I'm about out of time and about out of juice on my recording device. Jesus, he said, come unto me in Matthew chapter 11, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And in the times of the holidays, we we don't have time to maybe even go out and do what we want to do, but we can come to Jesus wherever we are. And he said, I'll give you rest. Even at a church uh, or at work, we can just come to that place, maybe even just shut the door in your truck, shut your cubicle, go to the restroom and say, Jesus, I need rest in this situation. Because wherever, it didn't say we had to go to church, we had to go to Jesus. And the Bible says, take my yoke upon you, that's what you would tie two animals together with. It looked like a figure eight out of wood. And they'd tie two oxen that they could plow the field together. He said, I'm meek and lowly of heart in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But he said, learn of me. Learn of me. And we find about how Jesus treats us. So preacher, but... If I, if I trust Jesus for this, will he take care of me? Learn of him and see if he does it. And then when someone else said, I don't believe if you do that, say, you know, I tried God on that, and he's faithful. I tried God on paying tithe, and he's faithful. I've tried God in my marriage. He's faithful. You know, sometimes men, we have to apologize to our wives. I've tried it. It works. <laughs> Try that. I think today, <laughs> you know, it works. But Paul said, and I'd like to leave you with this, he said, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7, that I may know him. What a great thing to know Jesus. I have a friend named Jesus. You know, a friend, uh, someone called to wish, uh, texted Emma, my daughter, a happy birthday today. And my wife had lost her phone, so we didn't know who it was. It was just a number. Well, it turned out it was someone that we knew. And uh, you know that but I'm thankful that when you know Jesus, he's like there. And if he texts you, you know it's from Jesus. You understand the sheep of Jesus Christ know his voice. They recognize that caller ID, that it's God. And he, he says that, that everything's going to work out. God's got it. Everything's going to work out. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. And when we stress those things, we're not worried about ourselves. We're reaching out. And the focus isn't on us. We put the focus on God. And brethren, God can take care of it. Father, we ask that you would help us to stress your word. God, that we would stress your grace. And God, that we would stress you. Knowing you this holiday and reaching others with that power and that love and that grace that's only found in Jesus. Amen.